and welcome to Retrospection, a podcast about old films and TV shows. My name's Colin, and I know more about nuclear devastation than you ever will. And I'm Paul, and I don't salute, but if you wave to me, I'll wave back. In this episode, we're taking a look at Who Does Wins, also known as The Final Option, from 1982. An SAS soldier infiltrates a radical political group who are planning a terrorist operation against American dignitaries. Sounds exciting. It does. Yeah. The film yes. was inspired by the Iranian embassy siege in London in 1980, which was resolved when the embassy was stormed by the SAS and the hostages were rescued. The SAS, well, they've been around since the Second World War. This, this was the first time they had been seen so publicly, and producer Ewan Lloyd rushed the film through to make sure nobody else would beat him to it. No, I read that as well, and I, I thought, is that true? That that people didn't really know about the SAS until this point. I don't know whether there were books before that period about them, but they were in the Second World War, so people must have known about them and been aware of them, but I don't think they'd ever been seen outside of a war. I suppose that's true, because they, they, they operate mainly, at that point, they operate behind enemy lines, didn't they? So, yeah. yeah, and I remember yeah. as a kid watching the Embassy scene because... It was a big thing, wasn't it? It was huge. So this movie stars Lewis Collins as Captain Peter Skellen, Judy Davis as Frankie Leaf, Richard Widmark as the Secretary of State, Edward Woodward as Commander Powell, Tony Doyle as Colonel Hadley, John Dutine as Rod, Norman Rodway as Ryan, Ingrid Pitt as Helga, and Bob Sherman as Hagen. I mean, that's a cast, isn't it? It is a cast, that's why I read it out. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It, it's got a weighty feel to it, that cast. It, it feels like it, it's got some some real thespian weight behind it it drips in thespianism well you know I'm an expert in thespianism and lisps <laughs> music is by Roy Budd and it's great music isn't it it is yeah have you heard the full version where it gets very jazzy oh yeah it's fantastic I'll be putting that on our Spotify uh, playlist just for anyone who's interested good um, some points I guess mm-hmm. the action sequences at the end were performed by members of the SAS yes I heard about that they they um, they some of those people going down the side of that building really were the SAS, weren't they? Mm-hmm. I don't think we can uh, go into the film, though, first without talking a little about Lewis Collins. Where do you want to start? Well, point out, unfortunately, he passed away in 2013. Um, well, that's so that's start not a great place to start, is it? Well, I'm working backwards. <laughs> I hope so. But at the time of this film, um, he was internationally unknown, but he was a big deal in the UK, thanks to being the co-star of The Professionals. That's right, and apparently he got he got the gig for this film because the director, Ian Sharp, he was um, he was a big director on The Professionals, wasn't he? he yes. He's been quite a few episodes. Didn't didn't the producer wanna, of this movie want to do the same kind of thing with him that years earlier someone did with Sean Connery? Was to kind of clean him up a bit and make him more of a presentable lead than what he was in the professionals no oh, i hadn't heard that it's interesting hmm. yeah yeah I, I i was one of the one of the little things that i dug up okay did you know mm-hmm. lewis Collins was a drummer he was a drummer and he turned down an audition with the beatles after pete best was dropped <laughs> do, you, do you think he regretted that or i uh, maybe i mean he wanted to be an actor rather than a musician i guess I don't know, I, I think in some ways he, he kind of enjoyed being more of an action man, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he was actually a private in the 10-para volunteer regiment, so the British Army's Territorial Army in the late 70s and the early 80s. Yes, and didn't the um, the actual SAS that they trained with for the movie said that they really didn't have to train him much? Right, and he was going to be in the Territorial SAS, but 
um, because he's so publicly well known, they had to refuse his uh, entry into it. Yeah, yeah, I can. Can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah, we'll it's one burst through your window. Get out of a photo before you shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> Anikas famously he auditioned for the role of James Bond to replace Roger Moore. But Cubby Broccoli rejected him for being too aggressive. Yes, apparently um, I read that, that he pretty much got the gig, hadn't he? But he kind of talked himself out of it by behaving a bit of a dick in, in, in one of the meetings. Not giving him that role, though, is one of, one of the biggest mistakes of cinema. Oh, absolutely. And you see it in this movie, don't you? You can see how what kind of Bond he would have been. He'd have been the, you know, he had the, the wit and the style of, of Roger Moore. But he had he had a, a a nastiness that was all his own, I think, didn't he? Yeah. You know, he, he, he in some ways I think he could have been an even nastier Bond than Sean Connery was. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a darkness about him. Yeah. Absolutely. I suppose the the the, the one thing about it though is, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look at our favourite Bond. Our favourite Bond is Timothy Dalton, and you probably would have said that at that point, maybe if they'd have tried to go that way with Lewis Collins back then, it would have been before its time. Yeah, that may be. That's possible. I still think it was a big mm-hmm. mistake. I think it would have been good. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we'd just got one or two movies out of him as Bond, it, I mean, they'd be there, wouldn't we? And we'd enjoy them. Yeah, just us two. No one else. <laughs> <laughs> so I told you the last podcast, I'd do this for us. So <laughs> Do you have anything else or you just want to leap into the film? Uh, just, just the usual stuff. Um... William Holden was originally cast in the Richard Widmark role, but he had to pull out because he he, di- he died. Oh, that old <laughs> excuse. I know. And uh, there was a sequel planned. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yes. There was a sequel planned, and it was, a re- it was going to be set in the Falklands War, apparently. Oh, uh, okay. Never happened. We didn't get many films based in the Falklands War, did we? Not really, no. No. Apparently, apparently decided not to do it because uh, this movie um, didn't perform well in certain areas. Right. And Stanley Kubrick and Ronald Reagan, which isn't a shocker, were both fans of the movie. Yeah, that's an odd choice. One of those you can go, yep, definitely can see why, but Stanley Kubrick? I think he, he, he really enjoyed um, the performance of... of um, the actress that plays the the terrorist. What's her name? Her real name is Judy Davis. Yes, he really enjoyed um, her performance. He thought it was quite a, a nuanced performance, and it is, really. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll talk about it as we go along. So. Okay. So let's hear the trailer. <laughs> Here we are, high officials, special branch, the Yard C13, MI5, and the SAS. They've murdered Andrew Wilcox. We are dealing with the hardcore revolutionaries who are using the peace movement as a cover. Where are they going to do it? And how do we find out? Sorry, that show's taken. Yeah, Peter Skellum. I saw your poster. It's, um, it's very exotic. You got a car? Yeah. Then why don't you drive me back to your apartment, and I'll tell you all about me. Damn thing about him. Think I know enough? 
We are very close to pulling off the biggest coup this country has ever seen. Now, you and I are the only people in this building even to know what we're going to do. And you walk in here with a complete stranger. He's ex-SAS. What? Nobody knows how they operate. I've got one of them right here. He probably knows every technique they own. Beautifully staged. I can see tomorrow's headline. Skinheads attack peace group. Perfect. A dinner is being given tonight at the home of the American ambassador. We're going to take over that place, and we're going to hold it until our demands met. It's very well organized. Well, I've got to tell you something. Your wife and child have been taken hostage, so you better cooperate. <laughs> They've made contact. We'd like a nuclear missile to be fired at the Holy Lark submarine base. We want this to be done in the name of peace. And what if we refuse to give you your nuclear explosion? Then we begin killing everyone here. Thank you, Commander Powell. So you kill all of us, then they'll kill all of you. But it doesn't bother you. Yes, it bothers me. It destroys me. In the name of peace, you could trigger World War III. You tell me where you see peace in this world. It does not exist, not now. We are at war. Shut up. joke as the film begins <laughs> what joke's that it's a rank film <laughs> it is it's a, it's a, and it's a good rank film as well mm, and it's an ewan lloyd production who for some reason i thought was um like a, a big name british producer who'd made all these like action films but when i look at his list there's only really the wild geese that you recognize that's right wasn't he involved in the professionals as well so maybe it's more tv stuff there kind of fits in a way because i mean it's kind of a, a tv movie with balls this isn't it <laughs> it's how they describe the prisoner right <laughs> so bud's music kicks in oh and it's top notch isn't it it is it is nice it makes you want to swing through some windows doesn't it Always. Mm-hmm. Did you get down behind the settee and start ducking in and out with your uh, ten? No, it's against a bookcase. It'd be tricky. <laughs> well, mine okay. isn't, so I do. At least one of us is fine, <laughs> so that's fine. So we get shots right. of the Royal Mall mm-hmm. and the streets of London, police motorcade, and then we mm-hmm. come to a ban the bomb protest in London, which was really popular in the early 80s. It was, and we see a banner that says the Communist Party of Great we Britain, do, yeah. don't we? 
and we focus on a woman called Frankie Leaf and a man, Rod Walker, and they're both protesting. And we also see a priest known as Bishop Crick. Bishop what? Apparently. Bishop Crick? Did you say so? Yeah, leave his name alone. Don't bash the bishop. <laughs> Don't bash that hole. <laughs> well, it, it could be a, a mitre tricky. Moving on rapidly, Frankie tells... <laughs> Frankie tells Rod to make one of the merchants move to the other side, claiming that we need somebody over there to make more noise. But in a window above, there's a sniper getting ready with a high-powered crossbow. There isn't. Did I imagine this? Or did I see one? (laughs) There was a dog in the crowd carrying a placard. Yeah, of course there is. There always is in protests. (laughs) I suppose that's the kind of equal opportunity country we are. You know, the dogs have got a right to say what they want as well, haven't they? The budget of the film was $5 million. Do you think, like, $4 million of it was just trying to get that dog to hold that placard? They just keep filming again and again. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. So like he keeps dropping here. Cut. All 100 of you extras go back to the beginning. How are you feeling? Rough. Are you going to do these terrible jokes? All the- what's, what's come over you all of a sudden? I was watching Les oh, Dawson okay. the other night. It's going to be a long <laughs> episode. <laughs> Absolutely, strap in. <laughs> so a sniper fires an arrow that hits through the mouth of the man that Frankie had moved to the other side. So she basically got him killed. She did. And it's a cracking shot, though, isn't it? Straight through his mouth and through his head. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing just to take a shot in the mouth like that, isn't it? Later, a meeting takes place between police commander pal, ministers and heads of various intelligence services about who could have been behind the sniper attack. And they have photos of Frankie and Rod and talk about how the Mm -hmm. People's Lobby, a supposed charity group that Frankie and Rod claim to lead, is really just a terrorist front. Now, Commander Powell says that they are hardline terrorists using the peace movement as a cover. They don't represent everybody, but they know that this hardline group are planning a major atrocity, but they don't know where they're going to do it, how, and when. This scene's just a round table of exposition, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, pretty much like what I just did. (laughs) Exactly exactly what you just did, But, but But acted to the full possible oh point by by edward, well, edward, edward wonderful absolutely just gives it gravitas doesn't he anytime he's in anything really i didn't notice any spanish food <laughs> uh, you're saying that i'm <laughs> i'm doing the terrible jokes really I, i'm just okay. reaching your low level i'm just keeping up now or keeping down as i oh, should say you've not reached my level yet trust me so <laughs> so one person who's the head of the special air service says I have a suggestion. He does? Yeah. And we cut to a car arriving at an SAS base. No, no, no. It's not just a car. Oh, it's what? a good, it's a good, solid 70s Land Rover. I thought you was doing a supermarket advert for a minute then. <laughs> it's not just a normal car. It's, what is that? What is that advert? Isn't there an advert where he says it's not just blah, 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 it's a Sainsbury something? No, I can't remember. I've seen it. I don't know. You don't even live in this country. How do you know? Uh, well, you know, I just watch the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> in your darkened room. Yeah. Go, look at the price of that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a big car. Yeah. And so inside, I just love a seventies Land Rover. It looks, it just looks solid. It looks, it, you know, it looks like it could take a few hits. I've always wanted a seventies Land Rover. Not one of the new ones, one of the old ones. It's just a metal shell on wheels. It is, it's just a box. Yeah, you should get one. It looks, I should, didn't I? I don't know if I could fit it in my garage. That'd be a strange midlife crisis, wouldn't it? (laughs) Can you imagine a wife if I turned up with a 70s Land Rover one day? (laughs) Yeah, it's all right. Excellent for shopping. Well, I could get a lot in there, couldn't I? You could, yeah. 
I believe so. Yeah. Can I move in with you <laughs> once I get uh, I kicked the, out? I bet they're cheap. You reckon? Yeah. I don't know. The classic cars now, surely. Yeah, well, there were so many of them. Oh, right. I just draw okay. the line if you start wearing a camouflage jacket or something. Don't do that. That's going a little too far. What about a, a balaclava? Depends where you wear it. Can you even buy balaclavas anymore? I don't know. Where would you normally buy one from? Where would you have bought one from? Well, you, well uh, do army and navy stores actually still exist in this country? I don't know. I don't know. They do here. I don't know. Oh, well, I, I, I was asking the wrong person. You don't live in this country, do you? No, so, no, so I haven't got a clue. Maybe I should try and find out. Yeah. But then again, I might end up on a register or something, so I don't know. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't. Too late. <laughs> so in, in this Land Rover, there's an American US Ranger called Mac and a GSG-9 officer named Frund. And they're arriving to train with the SAS. I, I love how English this all is. The top people that, that are in charge of all this are slightly overweight, balding middle-aged men. And they've all got names like Bob and Terry, haven't they? Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. All right, so they drive mm-hmm. past various soldiers training until they reach Neil. That's a nice moustache. <laughs> it is. Does There's it... quite a few, isn't there, in this, in this but movie? Doesn't Neil look like uh, Ray from Life on Mars? Could well be Ray from Life on Mars, you know. What do you mean? Oh, you mean you don't mean like the actual actor. You mean in a in a universe? No, no, way. no. I'm being sarcastic. It is the actual actor. Really? He's aged tremendously well, then. Well, bear in mind, Life on Mars is a good ten years ago now. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. Mm-hmm. So did he? Did he <laughs> Get with the times, Colin. <laughs> so did he? Uh, he, uh, his character in Life on Mars must have been based on his character in Who Dares Wins because it's the same look. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's, he's he's obviously you know he's found a look, and he's gonna stick with it. Damn the decade. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. No, it's, the, it's definitely the same same guy. Oh, I'm not double checking. I, I know you. You're usually right on those things. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Nothing. And then we get that nice line. Oh, looks like there's no saluting in the camp. That's right. But if you wave at them, they'll wave back. It looks bloody cold there, though, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that seventies. We don't have clothing to protect us. Kind of look about it. <laughs> no, this this is interesting. Don't you think that a lot of seventies movies and TV does have that look about it? That everything feels very cold and and stark and just a little bit brutal, Grime, dirty, it? grimy. You ever, dirty, seen, you ever seen London in a you know the Sweeney or the Professionals? This is what I'm saying. It looks it looks it looks completely disgusting basically doesn't it yeah yeah the good old days <laughs> the days you're heading back to pal <laughs> yeah i think i'm already there <laughs> <laughs> so they ask directions to colonel hadley and neil tells them and they watch a training session as soldiers assault a building they, they, they do what they assault it they give it a good kick in <laughs> okay all right <laughs> punch its windows in Use harsh words against it. Absolutely. Hadley mm-hmm. takes them to view a room through some glass, and inside is Captain Skellen. He's sat at a desk, surrounded by mannequins. Uh, do you think any of these are alive? The mannequins? Yeah. You mean like the... I'm calling, I'm calling back to one of our previous episodes. Oh, I don't think so, because they're not very well-made mannequins. They're more like dummies, you know. Just like... Pill- I think they're all male as well, aren't they? 
I wasn't looking that closely. Well, they're all male and naked, so it's it's hardly Kim Cattrall, is it? Yeah, but they're you not... You wouldn't want one of those waking I, up on I, you, would you? How do you know they're male? They're not anatomically correct. Well, you know, they look... They look... Go on. Maley. Maley, okay. Maley. All you right. know, they've got... Heft. All right. Don't you, you, you're forcing me to dig this hole for myself now, and I'm not I'm not I'm not jumping in. So, <laughs> so his men burst in and shoot the mannequins. Skellen gets up and tells them what they did wrong, and Hadley then introduces him to Mac and Frond, and their training will start tomorrow mm-hmm. in Wales. That's exciting, isn't it? Well, is this film, you know, it goes everywhere, exotic. <laughs> <laughs> Wales, Camden. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting budget, budget of a carry-on film actually that's not fair it's like five times the budget of a carry-on film <laughs> so the exercise is a cross-country pursuit the unit led by Skellen will have to track and capture Mac and Front and, but Mac and Front have a full hour's head start they hike over mm-hmm. cold mountains through waterfalls and rivers they do some mountain climbing but when they reach the top of a hill they, they find Skellen and his unit waiting for them Skellen gives an order, and his men throw hoods over Mac and Frond. He asks them if they're alone. Then when they don't answer, he gives them a right kicking. He does give them a right kicking. Now, I was thinking, at this point, do you think that they, they just do this to foreign soldiers for a bit of a laugh? Yeah, this is how they say hello. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But you can imagine that this is how they would do it, can't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way Skellen says, we're allowed a certain mortality rate in our exercises and I'm well below my quota. <laughs> it's a very Bond line, isn't it? It is, very. And he ties the men up mm-hmm. with rope around the neck and legs. And then he keeps them awake by uh, subtly stroking their cheek. Well, no, actually, he gives them a kicking. <laughs> Another kicking? Another kicking. When one's not enough, mm-hmm. you just keep on kicking. <laughs> you beat me to that you beat me to that <laughs> at this point I think Skellum's men are unsure as to what's going on right they're not in on anything this is all a bit hazy to begin with anyway because cause later on I'm wondering whether these two guys are in on it yeah I'm not sure either at this point I mean you, you do get confirmation later. later don't you but a long long way yeah towards yeah. the end of the movie. So in a helicopter, Colonel Hadley lands and demands to know what's going on. He orders the men released. Later, Skellen mm-hmm. is reprimanded to be returned to his unit. He's no longer SAS. So as you point out, that SAS soldiers are selected as being the elite from other units and then they're trained. So if you kicked out the mm-hmm. SAS, you just go back to your old unit. That's right. And he doesn't want to do that, does he? No. He'd rather resign his commission than go back to his old unit. And Hadley says, well, that's your privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now it's a snowy day, and Skellen is walking through a market and starts chatting to a market store holder. But ha 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 ha! You have a stroke? <laughs> no, actually, I suddenly thought oh, I was in an episode of Bottom. Then it's very good, actually. <laughs> but he's not just a market trader; he's a contact for Skellen called Ryan. And so it seems that Skellen's not out of the army after all, right? Now, now aside from the fact that this this whole spy thing that's going on now is very, very Bondy, and I'm, I'm gonna, probably going to say that a few times in this movie, <clears throat> I need to comment on what uh, Lewis Collins is wearing. Oh, you do? Okay, what's he wearing? I do. 
He's wearing a um, black trousers, mm-hmm. a black turtle, a black turtleneck jumper. Nice. And a white raincoat. That's gonna get dirty. He looks a bit like Frank Spencer on a good day, doesn't he? He looks like you know he's 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 slightly cooler Frank Spencer. I don't know about that. I'm just thinking it's not practical. The white, you know, 70s London, white coat. It's snowing though, isn't it? It's snowing. Oh, things don't get dirty when it snows, do they? Oh, I didn't know that. Didn't understand that. <laughs> didn't under- I, I realise that's how it works. Snow magically wipes yeah. dirt off, right? Oh, okay. You don't, you don't see snow very often, so... Okay. Just look out the <laughs> bloody window. I'm sure it's not that bad. I'm oh, sure you I'll, just... I'll look out the window and I'll see the blackest snow you've ever seen. It's so dirty. Oh, I'm sure you're overreacting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Ryan passes over the names of Frankie and Rod and tells Skellen where they hang out. Time is short. He passes an envelope to Skellen containing money and details. And he calls the job codename Destroy. Yeah. It's a bit on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, it's not like... <laughs> Codename, give them a good talking to. <laughs> you might as well just call it Codename, kill the bastards. <laughs> Maybe that's what they did first. Maybe that's what it was called. It was like... you know, oh, that's that's a bit much for us, that. We might we, we need to tone it down a bit. Yeah. Just drop the <laughs> <Yeah>. bastards bit. <laughs> drop the bastards? Yeah, just drop that bit. We cut to a hovercraft pulling up, and a man in a red sports car is stopped at customs, and this is a guy called Malik. He's a, like a shady foreign investor. Mm-hmm. But customs allow him through, but they seem kind of suspicious of him. Oh, they know something about him. I don't know. I just presumed it was the natural British distrust of foreigners that was that was on show here. Possibly. That's true. That's true. Could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we cut back to Skellen pulling up a home in his Renault 5. Yeah, you, you wouldn't catch Bond driving that, would you? <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't. So he's, although, you know, we've seen he did drive a Citroen 2CV. Yeah, only because he had to. Yeah, so maybe, you know, Skellen has to drive a Renault 5. <laughs> I can't imagine Q souping up a Renault 5, can you? <laughs> not really. Where's he going to put the Stinger missiles? Although, you know, normally Q says, like, I want it back in one piece. If he did do a Renault 5, he'd be like, eh, don't worry about it, Bob. Do what you want to do with it? <laughs> no problem. You don't bring it back? No problem with me. <laughs> he'd be disappointed if he did bring it back, wouldn't he? Yeah. He's like, if we put missiles on it, I would use them at your peril. <laughs> there would be nothing they're left more likely to blow the car up yeah. when you fire them the missiles won't fire but the car will just shoot backwards <laughs> and just leave Bond floating for like a split second in mid-air like a cartoon yeah so we holding could, the wheel we could write the next Bond film <laughs> we could it's, it'd be a damn sight more fun than what we're probably going to get yeah and, it, and it's no worse than Die Another Day for ridiculousness <laughs> for what? Ridiculousness. I'm just making. I'm just checking. Yeah, okay. I'm just checking. It's no worse than Die Another Day for nonsense. Good edit. Good edit point. So we learn that Skellen is married to Jenny and has a baby daughter, and he gives them both gifts. And he tells her he won't have leave for a while, and so he won't be able to come home for some time. She's upset. She wants to know. 
whatever he's up to, when does it start? And he tells her, oh, tomorrow. And if anybody calls, tell him he's overseas. But he says, oh, it's not serious. But of course, she doesn't believe him. There's not a lot of chemistry between him and, and the actress, is there? I don't buy the fact that this is a family unit. It, it feels like he's just met them. Yeah. You know, yeah. particularly the baby that's just sort of like stirring off into space at, at the person off camera who's holding the little toy, you know. Well, maybe it's because he's always away. And so that part of the oh, marriage, yeah, yeah. that part of the marriage is over, you know, really, and and it's and it's what happens later that brings them back together. You know what? This this family unit looks perfectly put together, doesn't it? It looks like it's it, you know you feel the 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 history. <clears throat> All right. Meanwhile, Malika arrives at a lawyer <laughs> to give a check with funds that should be distributed to a number of charity groups the radical groups and he asks for a hundred thousand pounds to be distributed to the people's lobby which is of course frankie lee's organization this guy's like a terrorist simon cowell isn't he ah yes he is what do you mean 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 you know slimy sleazy and high-waisted trousers ah okay i thought he meant that malik had a band that he was trying to groom Trying to what? Groom. <laughs> isn't, right. that, isn't that what they call it in the business? When you, you, you put together some people, create a band, isn't it called grooming? Or am I, is that the wrong word? Um, what, I don't know what, what race research you've been doing, Colin, but I think you've been looking at the wrong, <laughs> in oh. the wrong places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we cut to a woman firing a... Ingram machine gun at some CND labeled targets, and this is Helga, and she's training members of the People's Lobby to fire guns. It's Ingrid Pitt, isn't it? It is, yeah, one of your favourites, I believe. Ingrid Pitt with a machine gun. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> we cut to a modern dance performance, which is a dialogue of the horrors of. Nicholas. Oh no! I, oh oh no! I've, no no! I haven't finished with Ingrid Pitt. Oh, <laughs> you wish. <laughs> yeah. Well, not now. She's dead, isn't she? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that'll stop yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know where you. I don't know where you get these ideas from. <clears throat> yeah, in the, in this scene, she's shouting at that guy, isn't she? You know, telling him that you know he's not fast enough and he needs to move quicker, and and she's really getting on his case, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. You know that guy's rock hard, don't you? He's rock hard. I mean, it's Ingrid Pitt shouting at you. Is that, is that what you enjoy, to be shouted at? That's a good job with your life. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're living the dream, Paul. Back to Ingrid Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> but, but not, because we're moving on quickly, before you say anything else. We cut to a modern dance All performance, right. which is a dialogue of the horrors of nuclear war and how Britain does what America wants if the price is right. There's a tug of war between justice, America, and the bomb. The bomb wins. I'm not being funny, but when this started, I forgot this was in the movie. <laughs> For a second, I was like, what the... F- <laughs> what is this? And I'll tell you what, the guy who owns that pub, he's going to be well annoyed when Chaz and Dave didn't turn up, isn't he? <laughs> Again. You know... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Fra- I didn't book this. What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep a straight face, but somehow Skellen manages as he's watching it apathetically. It's the best bit of acting Lewis Collins does, and not managing to laugh. 
Oh, and Frank. That's what I was doing. Yeah, Frankie's in the performance, so that's why he's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After the performance, Skellen sits down at Frankie's table and introduces himself. She's not interested, but uh, he's not leaving. No, I, I have to say that when when the waiter came over, I, you know, I wouldn't have thought twice if he'd ordered a vodka martini at that point because right. he's so Bond in the scene, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he says, "I saw your mm-hmm. poster," and she says, "How do I compare in the flesh?" And he says, "I wonder." <laughs> and he just he just comes right out and says, "I'd like to take you to bed." Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he plays it cool. And she says, you're a confident bastard, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't it be funny if all he meant was that he's going to take her home, give her a mug of cocoa, tuck her in and read her a story? Yeah, yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to take you to bed. Because you look really tired. <laughs> <laughs> look at them bags under your eyes. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> you're not getting your eight hours of sleep, are you? Oh, I like the, I like I like the pause. That was very good. <laughs> well, you, you're not getting your solid eight hours of sleep. <laughs> A solid eight. Yeah, solid eight. So uh, they do go back to her flat, and her place is nice because it turns out that her father was rich and died, leaving everything to her. Mm-hmm. And then, they... and he says a really good line. He says he he tells her that. Um, whilst being an officer and a gentleman, I killed people. It's nice, but they got a bed. All right, get to the bed, bit. Go on. <laughs> and, you're, uh, obviously, you're obviously halfway there anyway. Go she, on. Said, she says, you make love like you've just got out of prison, which which makes me think she just threw a bar of soap on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe that's what she meant. It's just really quick. <laughs> I think the two runners are on. <laughs> oh, look, it's Barbara Dixon. What a shocker. <laughs> so she wants to know about him. He tells her that he's separated and getting a divorce. He tells her that he's out mm-hmm. of work and that he was a captain in the SAS and that he was kicked out because of a political problem and he's bitter about it. Mm-hmm. So she's curious now, maybe a little suspicious, but he makes fun of her performance and how stuff like that is not going to change anything. That the people's lobby is a bunch of powerless middle-class families wandering down a street with their banners, ministers and mothers. It's a bloody Sunday outing. You couldn't knock down a paper wall, let alone a society. And he's kind of right. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. She tries to argue back, talking about the horrors of nuclear war, but Skellen cuts her off, pointing out that he has a 12-month-old baby and he knows more about nuclear devastation than she ever will. <laughs> How exactly? Because he's in the SAS. He knows all the stuff yeah, about I'm... it. He's learnt about how yeah, to react to nuclear devastation, what it does to you, um, you know, things like that. But I'm sure that he's only... I mean, we've only dropped two nuclear devices. And he wasn't probably there, either of them, because the age isn't right. Well, maybe So he probably only knows stuff that she could probably find as well. Or well, maybe he just had a big curry. <laughs> well, we've all been there, yeah, haven't we? Come out, comes out the bathroom going, I know more about nuclear devastation than you ever will. Don't go in there. Give it a day or two. Actually, give it a half-life of 500 years. Yes. <laughs> and if you do go in there, you know, it's yeah. not my fault if your hair starts to fall out. Yeah, if you do go in there, take this gas mask. One of those SAS masks. <laughs> it just keeps you with him all the time. So maybe that's what he was referring to. 
Could be, could be. Yeah. What will the SAS do about it, she asks. Well, they'll do whatever the politicians tell them to do. They're the ones you have to hit, the people at the top, the ones with their fingers on the button. So he's testing the ground, isn't he? He is. So the next morning, mm. Frankie takes Skellen to the People's Lobby headquarters. Now, did you notice? She drives a Red Lotus Turbo Esprit. Do you know what? I didn't. <clears throat> Which, this was made in 82. The year before, mm-hmm. the Red Lotus Turbo Esprit appeared in VR Eyes Only. Well, there we go. Yeah, so he gets to be in a Bond mm. car after all. He does. Driven by does. somebody else. <laughs> and he's not Bond. <laughs> Driven by a woman? <laughs> <laughs> Roger Moore impression. Vito Kill. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad you clarified. Yeah, because uh, a woman? <laughs> what episode was it? Go back and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we covered that, didn't we? <laughs> we did. We did. We did. We did. So, inside the building, Rod wants to know what the hell Skellen is doing there. Rod takes Frankie aside mm-hmm. and says, how can you bring him here? We know nothing about him. But Frankie asks Rod if he still has his white old contacts. I'd also like to point out that Rod's name changes throughout this film because some of the characters keep calling him Rob. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, it's another one of our um, actors calling each other whatever they want. Yeah. Throughout the movie things, isn't it? Yeah. She wants to check Skellen's story. Rod is even more annoyed, but Frankie points out that they may have to deal with the SAS, and if Skellen's story checks out, then it would be useful to have an ex-SAS soldier on their side. Rod still doesn't want him around, but she does, so he just storms off. Frankie asks Skellen to join them. Skellen scoffs at the idea the people's lobby is not his style. He says no, because he needs a real job to pay for his kid. She says she'll pay him, and that they need his expertise. She also says he can move in with her, and leaves to make him a coffee. It's pretty quick work, right? It is. I mean, she's the head of a secret terrorist organization planning a mission, and she's just met him. Someone she knows who's on the other side at some point. Yeah, and she's like, oh, move in. You know, <laughs> it's fine. Don't it's worry fine. about it. Anyway, I guess she just likes cock. So he sees a transfer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Best stuff gets cut out, right? Leave it in. That's what she says. <laughs> So he sees a transfer paper showing the money that's been transferred into the account from Malik. Later, Skellen is going to meet his contact. He sees he's being followed, but loses the tail by jumping onto a ferry boat after it has left the dock. Oh, but he's unaware that Helga is watching him with binoculars from the dock, and she sees that he's meeting somebody, and he's meeting Ryan. Now, he's not the best at this work, is he? Not really. I mean, he's not planned it out very well, has he? And, it... I mean, and... Uh... Later in the movie, we, we find just how inept he is at it, don't we? Because every time he meets Ryan, somebody's watching him. That is true, isn't it? Yeah. And he's always like, did you lose the tail? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> well, it all kind of doesn't end well for Ryan anyway, does it, really? That's true. Later, mm-hmm. back at the SAS training camp, Hadley speaks to Ryan, who passes on Skellen's info about the bank transfer. Mm-hmm. Back at the lot, people's lobby, Helga reports to Rod about Skellen's movement. Oh, he's really suspicious now. He is. He is. Yeah. And don't they say um, he doesn't? Doesn't he say when he's talking to um, uh, the the people back at the SAS that he says um, that he's enjoying himself because the job has some perks? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a seventies idea of what a real man acts like. This isn't it? it I is. mean, I know it's an eighties movie, but it feels like a seventies movie doesn't it it's a very 70s idea yeah yeah 
or you know a real real 70s man he goes out he kicks ass and he shags the birds and all that kind of thing you know yeah it does have that attitude mm. Mm. doesn't play well not really I would imagine. Does it? <laughs> Not no. today, but, you know. So we cut back to the SAS base. Mac and Frode, the two mm-hmm. visiting soldiers that Skellen beat up on the training exercise, are watching another exercise of a unit abseiling down from a helicopter onto a train, and then it's their turn. Mm-hmm. They land, storm a carriage, and then they think they did okay, but as they're walking away, a soldier jumps out of the other carriage and shoots them with blanks. You know when they abseil down, well, they don't abseil down, but when they when they drop down from the helicopter, mm-hmm. they go through the exact same routine that the soldiers did before them, and they throw a grenade through the window, and it shatters again. Oh, well, they've replaced it. Oh, is that what they do? Oh, yeah. right, okay. Yes, <laughs> the, the yes, they have, they have the bomb disposal experts, you have uh, munitions weapons experts, and they have glaziers. Oh, they come in and... and mock a new window up yeah yeah, yeah. that they were black and everything as well and gas masks and they just they're carrying glass right. and they come running in and they one, one of them is carrying the putty and the other's carrying the glass and they just <laughs> it's, i tell you what though if they get that window putty mixed up with the semtex <sighs> doesn't go down well oh no well it, it it could be an easier job then though couldn't it yeah the window blows itself out it does. You don't need to, to well, bother ch- chucking the grenade in. Oh, yeah. They should, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad you clarified that. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Any, any other errors? I'll, I'll help no, no, no. Out. If any comes up, I'll, I'll. If anything comes up, I'll. I'll, I'll, Good. I'll Good. Bring it to light. Don't well, worry. Thank you. So Colonel Hadley's disappointed with him, but then he says he just so happened to find out where Skellen is living and that they may want to pop in and say hello. Oh yes, they're eager to pay him a visit. Okay. So again, this is what confused me as to whether they were in on it or whether they're not in on it because they seem pretty up for it, don't they? Yeah, I kind of think, I kind of think at this point that they are aware of it in my mind, but they're still happy to do it because they get to give him a kick in. Okay, all right. I'll come back to that later. Because wouldn't it? If you were those two guys, you'd be like, "Why is the colonel giving them us address, knowing and hinting that we're going to go?" beat him up that seems a little strange yeah yeah i suppose but but as i say i'll come back to it later when there's a scene at the end of the movie okay okay rod's contact calls him and she's one of the people that keeps calling him rob instead of rod and tells him that (laughs) skellen's story checks out after Mm -hmm. they hang up rod says he still doesn't trust him but frankie doesn't want to hear it skellen and frankie as you you said it's all about those eight inches those eight hours of sleep is what you meant to say, I think. That's so- Yes, sorry, eight yeah. hours. Sorry, yes. yes. Skellen and Frankie <clears throat> enter a flat and find Mac and Freud waiting for him, and they really do a number on him. <laughs> a song and dance routine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting on my top. <laughs> is that what they do? They do, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No hats, I'm though. I'm singing in the rain. <laughs> yeah. Exactly what they do. They do a number. It'd be a surprise, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, that's the musical version. There we go. Who dares wins the musical? Yeah, we could have one of those TV shows where we look for um, the Lewis Collins role. Yeah, that's true. We could, and then the ticket would be the poster would be like, when you've seen all the other musicals, this is your final option. (laughs) Very good. Thanks. (laughs) But that would only play in the US, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's just that's the US poster work yeah is that the broadway version that is yes yeah okay 
over here we could we could have the tagline is if you dare to see this musical then you could win yeah hmm. <laughs> no <laughs> so they beat Skellen up <laughs> they tie a rope around his neck and throw him around <laughs> It's a very badly shot fight scene, isn't it? Don't you think? Oh, I quite like it. I like it. Do you I why? Li- I, I like it. Um, I like that it seems very unproduced. It seems like a fight scene. It seems like three people fighting. It doesn't seem like it's choreographed much. It just seems like three people going Aah! at each other. <laughs> and bashing into things and really kicking each other and then grabbing objects. I, I quite like it. I mean, I guess the camera work is pretty um, televisual in that it doesn't really do much, but then that's kind of nice. There's no fast cuts, no close-ups. It's letting mm. them do the thing. It'd be interesting to you know to imagine a, a Bond fight scene shot like that, wouldn't it? I, I now a modern you... one shot like an, uh, how it used to be. Although then well, again, they they shoot it so so badly that you can't see anything, can you? I mean, say even the old Bond films had fast cuts and speeded up sections and so. Yeah, but not so much how they shoot this scene, but but the 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 feeling behind it, you know, the brutality of it, which that was missing from Bond at the time, right? That this right. movie came nice. out, yeah. But but I do think that that this is shot very. Um, as you say, very televisually. You know, I mean, it's not half the time you can't even see what's going on. Yeah. Okay. I didn't really have a problem with it, but I, I can see your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't really work for me. Okay. So the next morning, we have uh, Anna Ford, newsreader, talking about a meeting in the UK of American politicians on the channel. Do you remember Anna Ford? That's what her name was. Yes, I was. I was trying to remember what her name was. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Yes, I remember. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember her. Yeah. <laughs> Scalen, who's now like badly injured in bed, rolls over and starts says, "Well, now there's a target for you." Talking about this meeting that's on the news. Mm-hmm. Later, Scalen meets Ryan in an underground car park. Ryan reveals that it, the fight was a setup to help Scalen solidify his cover. Yes. Later, Ryan calls Hadley, and when he hangs up on the phone, we see that yet again, he's being followed by Helga, but Ryan doesn't know. <sighs> to be followed by Ingrid Pitt. Okay, let's just carry on. (laughs) Skellen is at a people's lobby rock against Nuke's concert with Frankie. Um, This is a weird concert. It is. What's the band called? Metamorphosis? Yeah, right. And it seems a very odd... I mean, there's a reason why it's such an odd cross-section of people, but it just seems very strange that all these different people would be in this one place to begin with. Yeah, I mean, it's a church, isn't it? Where they're having yeah, it's a church, and we've got skinheads, mm-hmm. and then we've got hippies mm-hmm. and band the bomb people, all kind of enjoying the band. And it doesn't feel like a, a um, an authentic concert, does it? It, it? it doesn't feel real. No, no. Um, mm. So Crick is introduced, and he goes to the pulpit and speaks to the audience about the idea that Jesus would be at the front of an anti-nuclear weapon campaign. <laughs> I did. I did make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the people in the audience start to heckle him, and I don't know why they're heckling him because obviously they invited him. I don't know. I guess it's because we find out in a minute. So a fight breaks out. 
Uh, police arrive and fighting between them and the concert goers breaks out. And then we see mm-hmm. Rod leaving with Malik, who says, perfectly set up. I can see it tomorrow. Skinheads attack peace protest. So there's a conspiracy. It's a, and it's a brutal fight, isn't it? You get some serious um, shots of people getting kicked in the face. and Yeah. It's quite yeah. nasty. Yeah. So next month I mean, you don't get you don't get you don't get that in Ed Sheeran concert, do you? You don't get a bishop getting up and uh, inciting uh, racist chants, do you? No, you don't have to get a bishop bashing people. Oh, at an Ed Sheeran concert. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't know. What that means <laughs> no, I, I've never been. It just to... sounds wrong. I don't know what it means, but <laughs> I, I've never been to an Ed Sheeran concert, so I can't really say what goes on in one of those. Neither have I. Maybe you should. Go, this is your task. You go to an Ed Sheeran concert, report back. Let us know if it's like the scene in Who Dares Wins. Lots of people like Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I'm sure they do. You know he was in Game of, of Thrones, Colin, don't you? A lot of people like dark chocolate. What do you want me to do about that? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, I know he was in Game of Thrones. Don't blame me. It's nothing to do with me. Did I accuse you? I didn't say a word. Did <laughs> like I? I got personal, personal choice of who goes into Game of Thrones. No. I'm just, you know, I was just pointing it out to you. Yeah, thanks very much. Okay. All, right. All right. So next morning, Skellen rides his motorbike to a park to meet his wife with Jenny and the baby. Mm-hmm. Now, they do that scene that they seem to do in every film where... You're talking to someone, but you don't turn around and face him. You face the other way. So you've got two people near each other, facing forwards, talking to each other, but not facing each other in case it makes people look at them and see that they're talking to each other. But isn't it more suspicious to see two people talking, looking at nothing? They do this in every film. I know. It just draws attention to it even more, doesn't it? (laughs) Because they look like two people that are trying to look inconspicuous. Yeah. Yeah. And they're looking the most conspicuous that he could possibly look in your life, aren't right. they? I mean, yeah. So he does yeah. that. And, and, and let's talk about his, as you said before, his unprofessionalism. Yeah, he blows it. Are we talking about the kiss? Just everything. Yeah, the yeah. Fact, the fact, the fact that, that he even met even her in there. public. Why didn't he could have just gone to her house? And, and it turns out that he's being watched and filmed, and he yeah. doesn't even notice that, does it? They're only about ten feet away, aren't they? Yeah, he, he's he's not very good at this part. He's not, no, no. Maybe that's why he didn't get Bond. Yeah, maybe. Mm. All right, so later Rod shows Frankie the photographs and wants Skellen out the group, but Frankie still wants him in, but of course now she knows that something's up. So when she returns to her apartment, she acts coldly to Skellen and tells him to sleep on the couch because she's got a big day tomorrow. But she doesn't reveal what she knows about him. Skellen sits back on the sofa. Hmm, does she know he wanders? See, I'm editorialising like you did last time. I was going to say, where did you get that from? I didn't get that at all. His, his facial expression. I just got, oh, I'm knackered. <laughs> well, there you go. That's See, all I got from that. Really? <laughs> well, I was going yeah. deeper. You're going deeper? Yeah. He, no, that's what he wishes he was doing, but he's on the couch. Right. The next day, Skellen is getting on the bus and sees he's being followed again. And so as the person following, the guy gets on the bus, goes to the top deck. Scallon runs to the back of the bus, jumps off while it's moving. He runs down across the street and boards another bus. This one, 
has got Ryan aboard and he sits next to him. Skellen tells him, oh yeah, lost a tail. But whatever's happening is happening today, but he doesn't know what it is or where. So he's doing well so far. Yes. This is the people that you want in yeah, charge right. of things, isn't it? You know, yeah. Ryan gives him a number. And he gives, he gives him a number. Yeah, he gives him a number. It's a bit low tech, isn't it? What, what, how is he going to contact him? If it was, you know, James Bond, he'd have some sort of secret device that you could call him on. No, no, here's a number. Go in a phone box and give me a ring well, <laughs> when you the, know anything. This is the 80s and it's not the fantastical world of Bond. This is reality. <laughs> oh, so, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really we did, did them with a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. right. That's what it is. <laughs> he gets off the bus, but it turns out that yet again he was followed. This time by Helga. <laughs> She sits in front of Ryan and sprays cyanide disguised as perfume into his face. Ryan is dead. Ah, gasp by Ingrid. Hang on. That's got connotation. Don't know where to go with that now. Let's just, go. just, just carry on. Just carry on. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. Nobody ah, will never happened. Back at HQ, they know Ryan is dead but they don't know if Skellen is still alive. So they decide to place a watch on his house. It's a Timex. <laughs> they still made me laugh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like the line that Edward Woodward said in the meeting. He, he said, well, your man wasn't exceptionally cautious, was he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very polite way of saying, you know, he's crap. <laughs> He got killed on a bus. I mean... <laughs> it's true. Mm. Out in the country base, the terrorists are preparing. Skellen is back at Frankie's place, but can't find her. He tries the people's lobby building. There's nobody there. Then Helga meets him and tells him that Frankie is waiting and she'll take him there. We cut to a bus mm-hmm. carrying an army band. The terrorists are watching it through the trees. They stage a mm-hmm. distraction with a horse rearing, and as the driver gets out, the terrorists storm the bus. Mm-hmm. So they take over the boss, but it swerves. One of the soldiers tries to wrestle a gun. Rod opens fire and kills a woman in a dress. I don't know why I, I like that. <laughs> I, don't why, I don't know why that came it's out so sinister, wasn't it? It's so dramatic. It's a woman in a dress. <laughs> I don't know why. Right. Oh. I, I always thought, I mean, I, it's no, I mean, we, we both know, we've both seen this movie when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but whenever you saw a woman get shot like this, particularly sort of gruesomely, you know, was, there's a lot of blood spurting out, isn't there? It always, it always felt exceptionally um, wrong and brutal and a little bit distasteful, you know, watching a woman get killed in a, in a movie so brutally like this as a kid. Hmm. You know where I'm going with this? No. No? No. You're a heartless bastard, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and of course... Well, it, it upset me anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Frankie says there's no going back now. Mm-hmm. So they take the soldiers to the barn and take the name tags. They're going to disguise themselves as the band. Because the, the band? What, the, the 70s rock? Yes, exactly okay. who they're going to. Um, All right, okay. Yeah. Um, because the plan is to... Uh, break into the embassy where this meeting of American dignitaries is taking place and take them as hostages. 
That's right. Yeah. So they're all they're all sat there getting haircuts, aren't they, and shaves? Yes, that's right. Because so mm-hmm. they don't look like hippies anymore. Yes, yes. Did they look like hippies? Not really. They just had seven normal. I guess they had normal seventies longish hair, right? And, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Skellen arrived. Um, actually, that's kind of weird because then it's Skellen arrives, but then it cuts back to the HQ. Uh, Commander Pyle and the others are running through all the possible targets, but they don't have anything. And then it goes back to the barn where Frankie outlines the plan to take over the U.S. Embassy. Mm-hmm. Frankie mm-hmm. now tells Skellen that his wife and daughter are being watched, and if he tries anything, they'll be killed. Yes, yes. And who, who goes to uh, to watch the family? Gassius Helga. She does, doesn't she? Yeah, and a, and a no-name guy. And he really doesn't have a name, does he? I don't think so. I couldn't find what it is. <laughs> I think even the policeman that they take hostage has a name, doesn't uh, he? Yeah. So they approach Skellen's mm. house. A police officer and guard tries to stop them, but Helga uses a spray on him and they get inside. Helga pulls a gun on them. They're not guarding it very well. There's one guy standing outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. They're not. I could... But there's mm. people watching, so... As well. Oh, that's all right then. That's all right. Then. <laughs> I'm getting inside. There's a bloke in a car and a fag. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Back at the embassy, the bus carrying the terrorists disguised as band members are allowed into the grounds and into the building. Inside, mm-hmm. a guard steps out and asks who they are. He knows the USAF Lake and Heath band members, and he doesn't recognise any of these people. He pulls his gun out, but he's shot by one of the terrorists. It is. All this is very tense at this point, isn't mm-hmm. it? I think. Yeah. It's very well done. Yeah. They enter the dining room and take everybody hostage. Frankie then calls mm-hmm. Commander Powell and tells him who they are, what their demands are, and they want a nuclear missile to be launched and fired at Holy Lock submarine base in the name of peace. Well, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, <laughs> in the name of peace, they'll kill all the hostages. One of which is Richard Woodmark, we should say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the American mm-hmm. Secretary of State asks her, what does she really think she's achieving? Rod joins in the argument. And in the conversation between the three of them, it becomes painfully obvious that Frankie and Rod are morons. <laughs> Is that what you were getting from that? That's what I'm getting from that. But even they, they say that, don't they? Because Frankie says, you know what? We're a couple of dumb bastards. Yeah, because she realizes she's been drawn into an argument that, that she can't win, right? basically, hasn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they've made them get emotional. Yeah, when they're trying not to. Be. Yeah. Yep. So back at Skellen's house, police and SAS enter the house next door to them. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, this yeah. bit made me laugh. I have to say. <laughs> which which? Because the guy's just he's making his tea, isn't he? When they go in. <laughs> yeah, just knock on your door. Like, SAS police, we need to come inside. Um, uh, no. Doesn't he even say his missus is away at the moment. Yeah, he's like, my missus is away. I uh, let me let me just go back in and deflate something, and then I'll be right back. Out. <laughs> Either that, or he's a serial killer. And he's... <laughs> just hiding all the tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the SAS come in and go, oh, we're going to need some uh, weaponry. To... He's like, no, no, don't worry, I've got it all here. <laughs> We're going to have to knock this wall down. Oh, not that wall. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that leads to the dungeon. <laughs> I can hear some faint voices from the other side going, help us. <laughs> yeah. 
But inside Gunn's house, um, the police officer is handcuffed. He's not dead. And he tries to strike up a conversation with Jenny. And he's told to shut up by the Mm no-name terrorist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he continues to talk until the guy hits him with his gun. Back at the embassy, the police set up outside. Frankie still uses Skellen for advice, where to put the hostages, what will the police do next, etc. And he tells her they'll talk her ear off, but probably won't do anything until you kill somebody. Probably not even then. Now, do you think at this point that she believes that he is on the level or that she just wants to believe that he's on the level? I think she wants to believe he's on the level. But there's still some doubt there, you think? I would have to be, right? I think so. Well, I don't know, because, well, something happens at the end of the movie, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. There's hesitation on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Right, so. Commander Powell calls that they want to talk. Frankie tells them mm-hmm. that they want everything in the news. Powell asks for the servants to be released. She agrees. He asks for the wives and girlfriends of the dignitaries to be released, but she disagrees to that. Now, it's interesting that he doesn't say significant others are boyfriends and husbands. It's assumed that everybody important or in position of power is a man. Okay, well, it's the 70s. Yeah, but Thatcher, <laughs> Thatcher was prime minister. Yeah, I, I, I keep saying it's the 70s. It wasn't, was it? No, it was it's the 82, 80s, yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. It's, so it's kind of oh, yeah. it's kind of weird that they. Well, it's not weird. I mean, it's obvious you know, why because of sexism. Mm-hmm. But it's just an odd. It just stuck in my thoughts. Like, oh, all, it's just all the men are assumed to be the ones in charge. Well, I suppose if you think about it, really, and, and I'm going to be serious for a moment now. Um, Jeez, I'm not prepared even for though, this. I know. Even though we had a, a female prime minister, mm-hmm. there weren't. I don't think there were any other females in the cabinet or any high profile. Um, you know, government positions or anything like that, was there? I thought I can't think of one. Can you? No, I can't. So it, it was it was this weird um, moment in British history where we had a female prime minister who was strong and 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 we all knew what she was like, but yet everything else was still exactly the same. The attitudes were still exactly the same. It just didn't apply to her. Yeah, I think that's always happened, though, isn't it? With, say, like, Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth, all the people yeah. in the royal court would have been men. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I don't know how true this is. It's something what I've read is that the idea that she was no longer a female because she was queen, she was queen. It was like a, as if it was a third sex, third mm-hmm. gender. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't happen if it's a king. Well, no, no, because you don't need to think that way because he's already a, a bloke, isn't he? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, enough seriousness. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're training on, on dodgy ground now. Let's let's just leave it. <laughs> um, Powell asks for a direct phone line to be put in. Skellen tells Frankie that's a good idea because they'll just do it anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next door to Skellen's house. The film actually switches back and forth quite rapidly between the two mm-hmm. locations. Next door to Skellen's house, they're taking the brickwork away so they can put a listening device in. And they tell the house owner to put some loud music on. Which, which seems to be some sort of trad jazz, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's what you'd put on, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. What would you choose? <laughs> what would you choose? What would I choose? Yeah. I don't know. Um, nice Gregorian chant. Gregorian chant. That, that would be nice. And I don't know. That wouldn't be loud enough, would no, it? No, wouldn't you? Right. You need something really loud. I don't know. Some, um, I don't know, some Andrew Lloyd Webber or something like that. Commander Powell asks for more time. 
But Frankie says no. They have until 3 p.m. tomorrow or everybody will be killed. Pal says, um, do you need, you know, plane or something? But Frankie says they don't need one and that if their demands are not met, they won't be getting away. Everybody will be killed, including them. You think they mean it? Um, I don't know. I guess what was their escape plan? They don't have one, do they? True, but I, I kind of also get the impression that none of them particularly want to die doing this. Right. So they just want to You know, they're trailed. also nervous and they're also sort of like edgy that, that you know, they... I don't think a lot of them had really thought it through. Yeah, probably. Yeah. No, it seemed like a good idea at the time, and once we're here, we're kind of like crapping ourselves a bit, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Skellen wants to go to the bathroom. Um, yeah, they all need a poo, don't they? They all need a poo? They all need a poo? No, Skellen's going to the bathroom. Oh, no, I'm I was, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. I'm thinking about the in, in the... Um, in the dining room, don't they right. all say that they all need the toilet? Yeah, yeah. But, yes. Yeah. Is that later? Yeah. All right, we'll forget that then. <laughs> so Skellen wants to go to the bathroom, and uh, he has to, you know, he has a guard with him because they don't really trust him. In mm-hmm. the bathroom, though, when he's on his own, he uses a mirror to signal to Powell and Hadley outside. Skellen signals them to set an SAS assault at ten tomorrow. Hadley responds that they'll have to get permission of the Home Secretary. But if the go-ahead is given, the lights will go off and back on in the embassy. It's a very tense moment. You're waiting for him to be discovered at any second, aren't you, doing this? Yeah, because the the other guy that's waiting for him, that's his guard, walks into another room and he's, and he's just walking around. And in the background, you can see the light flashing through the window. So all he has to do is turn around and you can see what's going on. Yeah, that's a really good shot, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back of Skellens, the police have inserted a camera. And an SAS mm-hmm. unit arrives. So now they can see what's going on in Skellen's house. Now, do you remember when, you know, little fiber optic cameras seem like the height of technology? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but I, I would, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that when we saw this as kids, we were like, oh, that's amazing, that tiny little camera that goes through the hole and they can see everything. Yeah, but when you look at it, because the policeman has to uh, distract the attention of the terrorists because it's a giant tube sticking through a through the wall <laughs> there is that isn't there yeah <laughs> but they're not really that attentive anyway she seems more intent on shouting at her that the baby's making too much noise doesn't yeah, she, she so. loses it. at the embassy Skellen tells frankie that pal will stall but one of the hostages changes the plan because a general tries to grab one of the guns but he's shot in the back yes yeah Outside... it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a very clever move was it no it wasn't Ingenious. Um, I mean, he, he, didn't he realise that there were people behind him watching him? Mm. I mean, he, he, that that guard wasn't the only one there. There were people stood behind him. That's true. That's true. It was a rubbish plan. Yeah, it was. Outside, they hear the shots, and Powell calls in to find out what has happened. Frankie says, "Oh, there's just some holes in the ceiling, but nobody was hurt." Powell doesn't believe her and contacts the Home Secretary. He tells the Home Secretary that he believes one of the hostages has been killed, and they have no choice now. He's given permission, and the SAS go into action mm-hmm. inside the embassy the lights quickly go off and on what's going on mm, the shortest power failure in english history i would think says <laughs> skellen in the 70s back at skellen's house the baby crying is getting on helga's nerves helga shouts at her to shut the kid up and tries to grab the baby and then a down and dirty fight breaks out between jenny and helga she tries to protect her baby uh, apparently, the interesting fact here is that um, Ingrid Pitt hit the other actress so hard that she actually gave her a real nosebleed. Oh. 
Jeez, mm. she was really into her part. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, horrific. <laughs> Next. Oh, come on. Next door, the SAS are quickly preparing explosive charges on the wall. Helga grabs her gun and mm -hmm. says, I'll fucking kill you. Like that. Just I thought like, that was a bit harsh, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a bit extreme. <laughs> Hang on. Was she, 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 she's not Austrian anymore. She sort of northern, was she? Ah, well, she's northern Austrian. <laughs> no, no, northern Austrian. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Austria via Wigan. Is that what she was? <laughs> well, whichever's in north of Austria must have one. I'm pretty sure they don't talk like that. As Doctor Who said, plenty of places have a north. Oh. Or he said planet, but you know what I mean. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. The wall explodes and the SAS storm in. One shot to Helga's head, one to the other guy. Job done. I, I did like the fact that the policeman said to the SAS guy, we'll have to do that again sometime. It was a bit fast for me. Yeah, it's a good line. I like it. Yeah. It was fast. It was fast, yeah. Bang, bang. Yep. So now the SAS are in helicopters and approaching the embassy. Soldiers abseil onto the roof. Meanwhile, inside, mm -hmm. Skellen lies to Frankie and says that the helicopter noise is just probably observation. But the terrorists are nervous. Mm -hmm. The SAS are now in position. A helicopter approaches the embassy with two SAS soldiers dangling from ropes. And we get the music over the top again. Oh, yeah, the music's and kicking it's, in it's now. And it's so cool, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Skellen grabs an Uzi from one of the terrorists, shoots him, shoots the other, rolls along the floor and takes out the third one. And he does it with a huge slap to the face, doesn't he? When he takes the Uzi from the first guy. Yeah. He just slaps him across the face. That's how you take <laughs> out a terrorist palm. Is it? A big slap to the face? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll remember that in you, case you I'm should. ever you know, in that yeah. position. Okay. The SAS methodically move through each room, shooting the terrorists down. Mm -hmm. We can hear the radio chatter of the soldiers as they move through the building. And we get a nice view from the gas mask of one of the soldiers, like a first-person shooter before they were even a thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm undecided on that, I have to say. You don't like the effect? I like the effect, but I think it's more to do with the fact that, you know, since that point, I've seen it so many times that it, it, it's kind of outstayed its welcome. Well, it's not the film's fault. You've got to take yourself oh, back to no, 1982. No, yes, exactly. That's why I'm saying that, you know, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just mm. saying that I think that effect has been Coffee. solid a little bit for me over the years, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Skellen moves through the building. One of the terrorists asks him what's going on. Skellen shoots him. <laughs> he does. There's no, there's no waiting around, is there? They just no. shoot these people as they're yeah. going through. And that actor is a mm -hmm. guy who was in uh, Dempsey and Makepeace. Really? He's, he's the chief's assistant kind of character in Dempsey and Makepeace. Is that how he's billed on his uh, yeah. IMDb? <laughs> chief's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be lucky to kind get of guy. That. Yeah. Skellen sees Rod about to shoot out the window towards the hostages, but Skellen kills him. And then the SAS burst mm -hmm. in, but luckily they recognise him. And there's a good exchange, isn't there, between him and the SAS? Yep, there is. You're going to do it? He says, you all right? And he goes, yeah, I'm starving. <laughs> he tells her. <laughs> <laughs> but then Frankie comes through the door, armed with a Uzi. Skellen sees her and freezes for a split second. Another well, they both, they both freeze, though, don't they? Because hey. she sees him and she doesn't shoot him either. I guess so. I, I never noticed that she froze. I just noticed that he did. But I guess you're right. She mm -hmm. must have done. But then another soldier mm -hmm. sees him and shoots her. And it's a powerful shot. It sends her crashing back through that door, doesn't it? Yeah, and he makes a comment about Skellen getting old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Skellen takes a second to look at her. Then he leaves. And he finally meets up with the... 
German and American officer from mm-hmm. Mac. We finally get confirmation, don't we, that that they were in on it. This is where we finally find out that they were in on the yes. whole thing. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they they finally have killed all the terrorists and the hostages are freed and they leave the embassy. Yeah, and we get a freeze frame, don't we? Yeah, but then we and cut... we get some texts. No, we cut to a minister talking to Malik, who gave money to the people's lobby, and how it was just a bunch of amateurs, but they have all the time in the world, so there's some corruption going on. And we know that MP's dodgy, because he's the guy that plays Belloc ah, yes. in Raiders. Yes, that's yes. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get the freeze frame and text on the screen, talking about the amount of terrorist activity there was in the 80s. Yeah. And that's the end of uh, Who Dares Wins. Yeah, that's it. So, what did you think of Who Dares Wins? Well, I suppose it's no secret from the way I've been talking about it that, you know, I love this movie. Grew up watching it. I've seen it a whole bunch of times. It's weird because it's one of those films, as I said before, that was made in the 80s but still feels very much a 70s piece, doesn't it? It feels... It's got that starkly brutal attitude... And look about it that a lot of 70s TV and movies had, particularly British 70s and TV movies. It's not very cinematic, but, you know, that feels okay because if it wasn't for the F-bombs, this this could be an episode of Professionals, really, couldn't it? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's written well and it's, it's you know, it's a good role for Judy Davis. Frankie feels like a quite a well-written, rounded character, really. I mean, you kind of feel she's... Even though she is the bad guy of, of, of the movie, she she feels very human, doesn't she? And Co- Lewis Collins is just Lewis Collins, isn't he? He's that he's that. Yeah. He's got that Bond intensity mixed with, you know, the wit that we talked about earlier. And all the supporting cast are really good, particularly Edward Woodward, who's always good in everything. And the music's cool. And um, as I say, I always enjoy it. So for me, not a lot of bad things to say about this film. It's a massive, massive hit for me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very right-wing film, though. Oh, yes, it is. It That's is. a I very mean, dodgy politics. Was it dodgy then, though, or do you think it's dodgy now? It's dodgy depending on what side you were on. What, back then, you mean? Yeah. Oh, and now, I guess. Do you not think, though, that perhaps the... I mean, it, it, it's quite right-wing, isn't it? Do you not think that perhaps back then that was more the norm than than the other really yeah maybe that's possible um mm-hmm. i see this film has its flaws but i i also enjoy it i really like it if it wasn't if it had a different actor in i'd probably like it less i think lewis collins really sells this film yes he's an actor that di- didn't really ever find his potential in films did he really no i don't think no i don't think so i mean he didn't mm-hmm. do much afterwards Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah I, I like this film too one of the things that's strange about the film is there's not really that much action in it it's funny you should say that because every time I watch it there's less action than I remember there being yeah you go out remembering the last 10 minutes and you forget about the you know the, the pretty much 90 minutes of other stuff that goes before it don't you yeah and during the film there's only the little bit at the beginning and mm-hmm. then um, the fight sequence in Frankie's apartment. And that's it. The rest is... Yeah, it, it's, it's not an action movie. It's a thriller, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, he's, his character is not very good 
at the detective work. I suppose, though, I mean... Do you think that this is meant to be the first time he's done this kind of stuff, or do you think he's, the implication is that he's done it before? You know, the, the kind of covert part of it. Hmm. I would imagine that they pick him because he's done it before, but he doesn't give the impression he's done it before, does no, he? No, because he's incredibly he's not, he's not right good at it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so. I, I think there's some great lines in it. It's got that very British laid-back attitude mm-hmm. to things. Um, and I also obviously like the ending sequences. Mm-hmm. Which really got the music's excellent. Yeah. Oh, the music's great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a heavy dose of nostalgia wrapped up into this film, but for me it's a hit. I don't know, do you think... I think people some... who, who watch this, if they listen to the podcast and go, oh, I'm going to check that film out, will go, huh? Yeah, I think there could be a certain element of that, couldn't yeah. there? Yeah, I think yeah. you have. It's one that you have to grow up with. I think so. Yeah, but that's not to say I don't think that you know, give it a try because obviously it's it, you know, it, I I believe that this film does have something to say even now. So yeah, but I, I can see what you mean. I think I, I, I mean it doesn't move in the way that a modern movie does, does it? No, it doesn't at all. Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but from both of us, it's a hit then. Absolutely. All right. And that's it for Who Does Wins. So what are you doing next time? Well, on our next episode of Retrospection, we will be doing the Omega Man. Chuck and vampires. Go together like Chuck and vampires. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah. So if you have any uh, questions, thoughts, and opinions, keep them to yourself. But if you would like to suggest a film or TV show... And they are. <laughs> they are, really are. If you'd like to suggest a film or TV show that we can do on one of our episodes, then feel free to email us at retrospection at email.com. You can also find us on Facebook, and you can locate us on Twitter at Retrospecky. And if you want to listen to the themes... The songs, the tunes from all the films and TV shows we've reviewed, then you can check our playlist on Spotify. And I suggest that you do listen to Roy Budd's Who Dares Wins because it's actually hard to locate other than, of course, YouTube, which everything is on. But you can find it on Spotify. Absolutely. And I've just updated it all. So there's a lot of good stuff on there at the moment. Excellent. So thank you very much for downloading this episode of Retrospection and we will hope you will join us for future episodes. But for now, goodbye. That's dramatic. Well, I was watching you going, (laughs) getting ready to talk because you can't see me, but I can see you. Bye. Hey.